coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. Welcome to peacepodcast.org. I'm Barbara Gon Mueller, your host for the next two sessions. Today, we are going to have two different podcasts, one introducing you to the issues that we are facing with the amount of plastic we have on our planet. First, you will hear from Sarah Stark, who is the Marburg Environmental Compliance and Outreach Coordinator. In this next episode, you're going to hear about how we can at the Community Environmental Council in Santa Barbara start to clean our beaches, clean our oceans, and clean our air. And Kathy has introduced us to the way that she has brought the Environmental Council into the new world of plastic. We have to think about what we can do. So with that, I give you first Sarah Stark from Marburg, and then Kathy King from the Community Environmental Council. It's up to us to prevent the plastic pollution that we know we can stop by the safe choices and the right choices we make at the grocery store and in our life. Thank you for joining us. I'm Barbara Gon Mueller. Enjoy these two sessions and please invite your friends to watch because together you can have a conversation that allows you to be the solution to the plastic problem. Thank you. Kathy King, welcome. It's just uh, lovely to okay. have you here. Okay, Nancy. Kathy's the Director of Climate Education and Leadership at Community Environmental Council, and she helps, she plays a key role in organizing Earth Day, and she manages Community Environmental Council, which is called CEC's Waste Reduction Program, and that's what we're interested in today. And she did a successful Rethink the Drink bottled water reduction program in the schools. And she's been with CEC since 2008. Um, she has her bachelor's degree in telecommunications and film from San Diego State and was associate producer of Full House, among other things. Um, she moved here in 1998 and um, she's been on a number of organizations and she did postgraduate work in environmental studies. Um, and a class project led to Santa Barbara's single-use plastic bag ban. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Nancy and Barbara, for having me. And hello, everyone. Um, I'm going to see if I can share my screen. Um, hopefully, it will work. The technology is always the most challenging part here. See. Okay, there you, you go. Can you see that? We sure can, yes. Great. Maybe I'll do present view so it looks a little prettier. There we go. Mm -hmm. Great. All right, well, just to set the stage a little bit, I um, want to introduce you to Community Environmental Council in case you don't know us. We have been providing regional environmental solutions since 1970. We celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. It wasn't a great year to have a 50th anniversary, so we're still using this logo this year because, you know, do over for everyone, right? Um, and our primary focus is bold, solutions to the climate crisis. 
And our program areas focus on equity, energy, food, transport, community, and waste. Um, some program examples of what we do include our Solarize program. We have Solarize for residential and nonprofits, and we've helped nearly a thousand homeowners add solar energy to their homes, and nonprofits add solar power to their buildings. We've also helped site hundreds of electric vehicle charging stations around the county to provide that um, relief for people seeking to purchase electric vehicles so that they know they have a place to charge them. Um, as someone mentioned earlier, thank you for saying that, we produce the annual Santa Barbara Earth Day Festival. We've had to do it virtually the past two years. Hopefully next year we will be back in the park because that event brings together more than 30,000 people a year to experience 200 exhibitors showcasing sustainable businesses, vehicles, food, and services. And our food program, one of our newest efforts, has diverted thousands of pounds of prepared food from the landfill and fed hungry people. So since we're talking about plastic today, our waste reduction program that Nancy mentioned is the focus of this hopefully pretty short presentation. Um, so when we talk about plastic, and I do this a lot with kids, so excuse me if I'm talking over your heads, just kidding. Um, um, what is plastic made of, right? <laughs> I asked this to kids. The other day I was talking to kindergartners and this little girl said, it's what's left over when they make things out of fossil fuel. I'm like, are you kidding me? Never, never heard a college student give that answer before. So kids, as you mentioned, uh, Barbara, kids are getting pretty savvy. Um, and there is a big difference between the items that we make out of fossil fuel that are meant to be long-term and durable that you can probably reach out and touch with your hand right now, something near you that is that. The desk that I am working off of right now is an example. Um, those products are a good use of fossil fuel, right? My, my laundry basket is older than most junior high students. You know, So if we're gonna use something over time, then there's value in using a durable product. The problem with, with plastic now and for the past several decades has been that we are making items out of something that has a potential of lasting hundreds of years and we're using it and throwing it away in five or 10 minutes. Um, and that video just mentioned, and I think Sarah kind of mentioned it too, you know, the fossil fuel industry is losing market share to uh, burgeoning electric vehicles. So people are purchasing less gasoline and also renewable energy coming online. And so they are seeing the plastics industry as their, as their saving grace. Um, and their stated goal is to increase plastic production by 40% uh, by 2040. And they're already building, you know, and so trying to site factories to make that happen. So all the plastic created to date doesn't go away, it's still with us. It photo degrades by the sun when it gets out into the environment into tinier and tinier pieces. Um, and it is causing a lot of problems, particularly in the marine environment, as we know, entanglement and ingestion um, is a real problem. But the other thing that we don't talk about as much is that the ocean is filled with plants and we get almost half of the air that we breathe from those plants in the ocean. Um, so a healthy ocean is important, not just for the animals that we care about, but also for, for life for ourselves. This is a stat that's been around for a long time. But I keep using it because it really sums it up. So if we keep using plastic at the current rates, there will be one piece of plastic for every three fish by 2025 and even Stephen by 2050. In 2025, this is a fairly old stat. I think it's from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation from several years ago, but uh, 2025 used to seem like a long way away, but it really doesn't seem that far away anymore. And we can't clean it up. You know, you've probably heard of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, it's a gyre, there's a gyre in every ocean now. 
and you can't go out there and clean it up because like I said, it's like a soup. You know, if you, if you try to pull out what's in the bowl of soup, you're gonna get things that you don't want, like living things, it can't be cleaned up. Uh, beach cleanups are act actually really effective. Everything you pick up off the beach is like picking up a small oil spill because you're picking up something that is not going to go into the ocean and um, break down further and cause more problems. Um, last year, the journal Science published a study that was done in national parks that showed that plastic is now airborne. Um, when, it, when it degrades, it also becomes like dust um, and it is also evaporating out of the ocean in that same manner. And plastic dust has even been found on plants in the Arctic Circle. So let's skip, switch gears to solutions now, enough with the doom and gloom. Um, we've been working on solutions to this for over a decade. Um, our first plastic law was in 2008 in Carpinteria. Any, if there are any Carpinterians here, we love you. Every time we go to Carpinteria and ask for a law, they're very agreeable. We have a lot of great, great uh, resource reduction happening in Carpinteria. Um, and we're still advocating for, for styrofoam laws in the cities of Goleta and Santa Barbara County. And I feel like we're getting closer. We actually have a meeting in Goleta uh, in a couple weeks. So if there's any Galitans here, we'll, we'll want you to, um, you know, speak out for this as a constituent when we get to city council, which hopefully will happen this year. We really need to get rid of styrofoam. We love working with kids. These are Adams Elementary School Ocean Guardians, and they worked with us on outreach uh, when we were advocating for straw reduction a couple of years ago. And, you know, they're wonderful spokespeople for the planet that they want to see when they grow up. Um, you know, sadly, there's a ticking clock and we can't wait for them to grow up to solve the problems, even though I'm sure that they will have a lot of solutions. Um, with help from kids like this, we have two straw laws um, in the county now in Carpinteria and City of Santa Barbara. Um, as Nancy mentioned, we also work with schools with our Rethink the Drink program. We have added 103 water stations to county schools and some in Ventura as well. Um, and they've been used more than 5 million times. So students and staff can fill up um, during the school day with a quick fill bottle filler and not have to rely on bottled water to stay hydrated at school. And we just took the Rethink the Drink program to the next level with the installation of two bottle filling water stations in Santa Barbara City Parks, uh, Alameda and Shoreline. They just went in in the last week. Um, they have a bottle filler, a regular water fountain spout, and a dog bowl. Um, and you'll be hearing more about that soon because we're going to do a press release and have a ribbon cutting ceremony um, in Alameda Park. Super exciting. So, you know, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of discussion about whether individual behavior matters. Um, and I believe that it does because I think the more conscious we are as consumers, the more we will be conscious of things outside of just our, our consumption and get involved. So I do think that, uh, that our daily habits matter. I mean, we're in an urgent situation. So it's top down, bottom up, middle out, just all hands on deck. So whatever we can do, right? Um, as Sarah was telling us, you know, just because something is recyclable doesn't mean it gets recycled because there has to be a market and the market for plastic is not good. Um, it really never has been. I, I believe that what was going on in China was masking the problem, you know, and, and there was a lot of environmental and social justice issues happening there with the people who were working on the materials that we were sending them. Um, so it was just kind of a Band-Aid that, that now we, we see the problem with more clarity. Um, because they're not taking it anymore. Um, just to reinforce what Sarah said, they say you have to hear something 10 or 15 times to get it to stick. So sorry if I'm being repetitive, but I need the repetition myself as well. Um, you know, 
empty, clean, and dry, and unbagged are is, is the mantra for the blue bin. You know, you don't have to waste a plastic bag to put it into your uh, blue bin. Um, and you know, if, if there's something that spills or some food contamination in your blue bin, that truck isn't just taking your blue bin to to the recycling center, right? It's taking your entire street. So if somebody's got something yucky in their blue bin, that can ruin everybody's very well-intentioned recycling. So this is something, you know, to spread the word about, maybe gently, but definitely spread the word. Uh, Sarah covered this as well. So film plastic, there is a diversion program for film plastic through Ablitz Dry Cleaners and CEC and Santa Barbara Channel Keeper are partners on this. I think we've diverted close to 30,000 pounds of film plastic in the last few years, which is great, but it is end of life. It's not recycling. It's it gets made into home products by Trex, which is a good thing, um, but it isn't, you know, recycling in the true definition of the word. And the styrofoam project that um, Heal the Ocean started that Marburg is now doing collection at their recycling centers is only for packaging styrofoam. I just wanted to clarify that. Food service styrofoam, once food has touched it, it has to go in the trash. And again, just to reinforce what Sarah said, there's all these other things that you cannot put in the blue bin. Compostable stuff, especially. If you shop at Lazy Acres, they use compostable bags on their rolling, on their rolls for produce now. And those are, are not allowed, even in the Ablitz program, because they break down differently and they'll ruin an entire load of, um, of recycling. No cartons. For a while, Marboard was taking cartons. No more. Um, and coffee cups, also a no-no. They're not just paper. They're generally lined with plastic. Um, so saving energy, there's just other, other things beyond recycling that we can do to um, lower our carbon footprint at home. You know, things that you have in your kitchen or your bathroom, like a hairdryer or curling iron or toaster or chargers. If you unplug these things when you're not using them, you will save money because these things draw energy even when they are not in use because they have to be ready to go as soon as you flip the switch. So it's just a habit, right, of unplugging things. Um, we have helped stop a couple of peaker plants in the region recently, one in Goleta and one in Oxnard, because the electric companies have to have to plan for when we're all using everything at the same time. So if we, we, we reduce that baseline of what it means when we're all using everything at the same time, then we can reduce the number of peaker plants that need to be built. Um, I've been on a quest to get plastic out of the bathroom and it's gotten much, much easier. Toothbrushes made out of bamboo, uh, toothpaste that comes in tablet form, bar shampoo, conditioner, and dental floss made out of natural materials in little glass jars. Um, and a lot of stores have this. It's not as hard to find as it used to be. The other thing um, is about, like, you know, Barbara was saying, it's, it's on the companies to help us. And there are companies out there that are now doing that. Um, there's a company called Blue Land that is doing tablet-based products. So if you supply the water, that cuts down the carbon footprint of a, of, of a product exponentially. Because if you're shipping it around filled with water, that's most of the energy use, right, in the transportation. So you can get these products that you just, they give you the bottle and a tablet, you just put the tablet in and add water. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that's where we're headed with a lot of these products. Also just simply switching back to powdered material. Like I use powdered Tide or powdered Whole Foods detergent and powdered dishwasher soap. You know, it lasts a lot longer, it's cheaper, and there's no plastic. 
Recycled paper products, kind of a no-brainer. It just simply saves trees and most stores have an option. And I always pick on toilet paper because the super soft kind is made from really, really old trees. That's how they get it so soft, longer fibers on older trees. Um, and the NRDC has been doing this report card for a few years now and the number of Fs keeps going up. <laughs> so it would be nice to see one where the number of As goes up. But again, most stores have this option. Um, if you can handle something not quite as soft, just you're, you're doing your part to save trees. I just want to give a little plug for a new program at CEC, which is our UC Climate Steward Certification Program. Um, if you're interested in activism, this is a great opportunity. Um, it's a UC-wide, California-wide course. If you've ever heard of California Naturalists, it's kind of based on that model. Um, I was trained last year as an instructor, and now we are in our second cohort of the class. Um, it's a really great experience, um, and we will off be offering it again in the winter, so if you're interested, um, just let me know, or sign up for our um, e-news at cecsb.org, and you will find out when we are opening registration for our next session. So that's it. I didn't want to take up too much time. Um, I'll just go back. Well, you certainly gave us a lot of information. <laughs> I've been talking. Unbelievable. And you know, we really have to pay attention, don't we? You know, I don't know if we're even going to be here in 2030 with all the plastic. We're just going to be living in it. And I did not know that plastic got into the atmosphere. That was news to me. So I'm going to, if you want to ask a question, just raise your hand or put your little um, reaction up to, with your hand. And Jack has a question. Thanks, Jack. You're doing exactly what I hope people would do. Kathy, are you open to answering questions? Sure. Okay, okay. Jack. I'll do my best. Okay, in that case, I'll ask a question. Kathy, I really appreciated the presentation. It was very informative. Um, is there research taking place for alternatives to plastic? You showed a few examples in your presentation, but you know, large-scale research and in the proposed um, infrastructure bill that includes, you know, um, energy conservation or um, is there any money to, to fund that kind of research on alternatives to, to plastic? Um, you know, um, so yeah. that, that's my question. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of research being done. I mean, algae a few years ago was kind of the, the new oil and people were getting excited about it. I think the, the challenge is getting things like this to scale. Mm. Um, there's some great, you know, projects that come out of the Bren School at UCSB. Um, we just had a webinar last week where there was a brand school project that is now a company called The Herd Co. And they are making textiles out of um, plant-based agricultural waste, um, like the husks that are left from things. They're making, they're making a thread out of it and, and fabric. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of innovation happening, which is exciting um, because I mean, in my mind, I think that plastic is just the wrong road to be going down. And, mm -hmm. you know, we do need to get to more of a closed loop system um, that Sarah kind of alluded to toward the end there. Maine just passed this extended producer responsibility bill, which is the first one in the country. California had tried a few times and it didn't quite make it. Um, and now we have one on ballot. There's going to be a plastic initiative on the 2022 ballot that just we just found that out last week. So Great. the tide maybe is turning um toward making the making the manufacturers more responsible because the packaging costs them a lot of money they yeah. will save money if they don't have to provide as much packaging there's a guy out there with a company called the loop if you've heard of that 
Um, it's really kind of taking off in Europe where you buy something in kind of an aluminum container and you just take it back to any store that has a loop uh, display. Um, so I, I think that that uh, if manufacturers are are kind of put in the position where they have to do it, um, they will do it and they will they will save money. Yeah, I think Thank you have to let them know we're really serious. Um, I have a water filter system and I've been saving my filters because they're not repackaging them or using them again. And I'm going to send them back. I think it should be from birth to the end of their life. The manufacturer should be responsible. And if they can't be, then they shouldn't be in business. Right. And they've known this, they've known this since the seventies. If you remember that crying Indian by the side of the road ad, that uh -huh. was fake even then. And they knew it. You know, it's just like the tobacco companies and what they did. They knew that if they put it on the consumer to recycle, then they wouldn't have to take responsibility for it. Right. Perfect. Dee Boswell? Isn't there a movement to make make bottles out of less less volume of plastic? Uh, for instance, they, they have designed bottles for uh, that have wastes in them. Uh, I mean, a, a, a narrow spot that takes, takes out of the... Uh, Takes the amount of plastic out of the bottle. Yeah, yeah, there's some innovation happening. I think Coca-Cola, who, when they do brand audits, Coca-Cola <laughs> does very badly um, when they do brand audits of trash. So uh, they're trying to, you know, uh, take, you know, measures that, that fix that a little bit and fix their reputation. And they are, you know, streamlining the, the model, the, you know, design of packaging so that, you know, then you can get more on a truck. Um, and they, 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 it can be thinner. Um, the problem is that the, the research is only just starting to show how much leachate there is. Um, so when we drink out of plastic, we are drinking some plastic, you know, it, it might just be a little bit or, you know, if it sat on a boat from Fiji for many days in the hot sun, it could be a lot. You know, so yeah, I just I'm not sure about the you know the the human health implications of plastic are a, are a whole separate issue, but it's something that is going to need to be addressed. And on a positive note, I was really happy to hear we have water stations out in public. What a concept! I don't even use plastic. I use my recyclable bottles, and I fill them up at home. But I would love to have a place that I could fill them up other places too. Barry Simon in Pasadena. Santa Monica, sorry. Uh, the, air, the, the aspect of um, the beads, I think you might have mentioned the beads that are in maybe some kind of uh, makeup products or something that are, uh, that are a huge problem. And, uh, you know, is there anything being done about eliminating those, making it like illegal to put that in? Yes, yes. There was a bill passed. Uh, it was when Obama was still president, I think when he was just finishing. So it's been a while. But you know, those things take a while to be implemented with manufacturers. But I'm pretty sure that it was mostly because of the Great Lakes. Uh, they were finding so much microplastic in the Great Lakes that, um, you know, you used to be when you bought like a scrub, it had like or apricot pits or something ground up in it. And then they figured, oh, plastic works too, and started using plastic in, in, in those types of of care products, but now, yeah, they, they have to phase them out. I'm not sure what the date is, but those are those are gonna be illegal soon if they aren't already. And then one more if I could. Uh, I'm under the impression that part of the problem with China is that when they're shipping product into the US, those empty boats usually take empty containers back. 
and because they've not been able to unload containers because of a shortage of employer of employees and all of that or whatever else there's, there's not enough available containers to take this to take scrap or recyclable materials out uh do you know about the domino is that anything no about i haven't that? i haven't heard of that nancy has her hand up do yeah. you know yeah i what happened was um our, the plastic and the things that we were recycling were polluted because people weren't cleaning them so there was okay. too much food and so they just they didn't want to deal with it and um we did not clean it up and indonesia is having the same problem and i think they've stopped too so most of the countries now have stopped taking any recyclables it just did not work and i still see that in our recycling that people don't clean their containers they just put them in with something still in there um the and, other and thing and plastic can't be like just chopped into pieces and somehow re reused in some other way uh, as filler in a mattress well, or something? Actually, that's, you know, I was going, the other thing I was going to add was Patagonia was trying to make clothes out of recycled plastic. But recently they realized that, you know, it's the micro pieces of plastic that are in the air and in all of us now. So it doesn't work to make clothes out of plastic <laughs> because we're all full of plastic. Uh, right. Well, the microfibers are so tiny in fleece clothing, including Patagonia's and anyone else that makes fleece clothing, that our washing machines were not designed to capture those microfibers. And so thousands and thousands of them shed in a single load of laundry. I have this thing called a Cora ball that is supposed to help and Patagonia sells a thing called guppy bags that are supposed to help but really it's a manufacturing issue and um, people the companies that make washing machines now need to add you can buy an aftermarket filter but I think it's like 150 bucks but they need to have these filters be included in from the get-go in the manufacturing and and to your point Barry you know if if we're going to use plastic in other things other products it just needs to be encased Right. They're talking about grinding it up and using it in roads. Well, now we know if they're going to do that, then it's going to shed and come back up and we're going to breathe it. So, right. you know, if it's and, and I saw this thing about somebody they were making houses out of plastic bottles in Africa. It's like, well, yeah, except that, you know, the sun's going to break them down and they're going to turn into dust and people are going to breathe them. So if you can find a way to, you know, encase them so that they're they don't escape um the particles then that might be an application but you know it's we use so much like the other thing like if you put two million bottles in some jeans we use 30 million bottles an hour so it's greenwashing really if you ask me another area is used tires is there any comments about recyclable recyclability of all that used rubber and then yeah i'm not sure about the airborne applications of tires but i would guess that there is some. Right? Um, I know there are some companies that are making shoes and things with used tires. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you, well, you have a question? I have a question? I have a question about is there any basic research uh, designed to convert plastic to an, a, a, a biodegradable entity? Any research to make it biodegradable? Um, I've heard about some bacteria that they're finding that will eat it. 
but again, there's so much of it being made. I'm not sure, you know, we might need too much of that bacteria and then we'll end up with, you know, a bacteria problem. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it's uh, the finding the cure might be more harm than good. I think, uh, Denise, did you have your hand up for a while? Uh, yeah, I have a bunch of questions. So answer what you like and ignore what you don't <laughs> want to answer. Um, where can we get the aftermarket filler filter for our washing machines? I didn't realize that was there. Um, the date for the styrofoam meeting in Goleta. I'll get my kids to show up. And our milk cartons and TJ's powdered um, uh, dishwashing detergent uh, really recyclable? Because I thought they had plastic or something on yeah no the, the, the cartons are not recyclable but using powdered products saves you know like i buy it in a box seventh generation or one of those companies i buy a dishwasher detergent in a box so i was just just providing options that didn't involve plastic or water right because those powdered ones are more concentrated and last longer than a bottle of of dishwasher detergent or laundry detergent that's in a that's in a bottle and filled with liquid. Um, but Denise, I, um, if you will email me, uh, Nancy has my email. Um, I can answer your other questions because I would love to have some some student representation in Goleta when we go to city council there. So interesting. <laughs> when I was a little girl, we only had boxes in the cupboard. You know, we had the borax, we had the Tide and all that. Everything was in boxes. And it was neat and it was clean. And my mother would squash up those boxes or my dad would burn them in the fireplace. But anyway, they didn't become somebody else's problem. And that's what I am against. We use things and it becomes somebody else's problem. And then we don't take care of it because it's gone, it's out of sight. There's a family in San Diego that has saved everything they have used since they got married. They have three entire rooms and two garages full of things that can't be used again and it's because we don't think ahead and i know you're trying to help us do that kathy king <laughs> well thank you all for the opportunity it was really nice yeah, to thank you, you. Kathy. kathy we're your friends we're gonna help you thank you you're welcome <laughs>